and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Are you overworked, overstressed, and overwhelmed? You want life to be different, but you don't even know how to get there. Man, oh man, I lived there myself. And in my experience with working with thousands of people from all walks of life, there is one simple thing that holds so many of us back, a lack of time management. We may know what we want, but we often don't know how to get there and don't feel like we can add one more thing into our already busy day. And that's exactly why I created the Dream Life Action Planner. It's a 90-day inspired game plan that will give you total clarity on your greatest priorities and skyrocket your productivity on the tasks that matter most. And now, for a limited time, you can get your own copy for free. And when you go to denisewalsh.com slash action. Denise Walsh, D-E-N-I-S-E-W-A-L-S-H dot com slash action, A-C-T-I-O-N. Put your information in and we will send this action planner directly to your inbox so you can set your goals, reprioritize your calendar, and design your dream life today. Welcome back to the Dreamcast. Have you ever wondered how to get traffic on Google. Like if you have a message to share, but yet you don't really know how to get it in front of people, Google is an amazing way. But I can tell you from experience, it does not happen on accident. And in our next interview, I'm interviewing somebody who actually went to law school but is now creating content for search engine optimization with her company, Content Refined. You're going to hear how she made this transition into growing her business and scaling it to be a lifestyle for her and her family, and one that is not only going to benefit the businesses it serves, but benefit and allow freedom for her family and beyond. So let's welcome Madeline Taylor to the Dreamcast. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So you are a co-founder of contentrefine.com, which is a social media content um, and beyond company. And I'm you're also a new mom. So how old is your new baby? Uh, my new baby is uh, nine weeks old, actually. Oh, my goodness. Well, good for you for saying yes to a morning appointment. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, he's still a freshie. So he's uh, he's actually doing really well with his sleeping. But yeah, he's he's a handful. <laughs> yeah, it's an adventure. Is this your first? It is. Yes. Okay. So yeah. even more of an adventure. Absolutely. <laughs> I remember when I had my first baby, I was, you know, working hard at my business and my friend said, give yourself like six months to adjust. And I thought, what? I just need two weeks. But you know, she was right. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I'm really excited to hear more of your story because I think it will really connect with those who are listening. So tell us a little bit before you founded Content Refined in 2016, what were you doing? What did life look like? 
Yeah. So I was actually living in Toronto. As you know, it's a big, big urban city with uh, lots of hustle and bustle. And I work at a medical technology startup, actually. And I started as like a customer service rep and it started the, the company itself started to grow really, really quickly. So I had the opportunity to, you know, wear a bunch of different hats and uh, sort of grow with the company. And that was sort of my first like a real job right outside of or right right out from university and I stayed there for a few years and yeah really got exposed to entrepreneurship and technology so it was great okay so what did you do next well I was dating what my my current partner at the time and uh we were doing long distance from this little town called Collingwood. It's about an hour and a half north of Toronto. And so we were doing long distance for quite a few years. And at a certain point, I was questioning whether Toronto was the place that I wanted to sort of settle down. And, you know, it's a very expensive city. It's hard to get ahead and spend a lot of your day in traffic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I sort of had had it with Toronto and decided to make the move up to Collingwood. But the problem was there wasn't a whole lot of industry up here. And it was very difficult to find an interesting job up here. So that's sort of when the whole content refined ball started to roll a little bit. Ooh, I mean, it sounds like you learned a lot in your first job. And I think it's so interesting. Sometimes like we only can look back and say, oh my gosh, that was so uh, such a growth space for me. And I learned a lot of things I didn't know. And you can use all of that experience in your current position, even if in the middle of it, we don't quite see the value of all the things that you're learning. But absolutely. Yeah. And to be honest, I, I don't think that I could have done what I have done today without having done that job and s- stuck out some some pretty tough years. <laughs> Yes. Well, and being a part of a company during a growth phase can be stressful. Everything seems urgent because it needed to be done yesterday and there's not enough people, but yet it's an invaluable experience. And when you don't have momentum, you like long for it again. So I'm sure you learned a lot through those growth years. Definitely. All right. So you moved to, let's just say, a more country feel. Yes. And there are less, less opportunities. So I love that because I think a lot of times we could use that as an excuse, right? Oh, why would I move there? There's not an, enough jobs. And we can kind of get into this feeling like you don't have very many options space. And when I, we can like to call that stuck, right? Like, what am I going to yeah. do? And, and that kind of woe is me situation. Yeah. And when you're like leaving a really good job for, yeah. for like when you don't have anything lined up, it's actually really stressful. And, and then you start questioning all of your decisions. And, and really, when, it, when you're pursuing just a better lifestyle, it's, it's hard to justify leaving a great paying job in, in a booming city, you know? Yeah, no, you're really right. And so I have a question about that because you're in that, like in this moment when you were leaving Toronto to move. Yeah. I, I get you. That's like a pivot, like a change, like a transition, yes. right? And so we have to let go of the old so we can start fresh with the new. But you do it scared. Like you're probably, it's not, even though you know what you want. And sometimes, like, you know, you want to be with your boyfriend. You, no, you don't really want to live in Toronto. You're leaving that comfortableness of 
something you do understand. So yeah, you said that you started questioning your decisions. When you started experiencing that fear, how did you get yourself back to like dreaming and hope and what's next versus staying stuck in that fear? Well, I think that I did a very important thing called networking as soon as I moved to Collingwood. And I worked very hard at sort of connecting with the right people and really creating a good dialogue with people that I knew could help me achieve my dreams. And so I think that was the biggest aha moment for me when I moved here was just, I guess, connecting with the right people and making a huge effort to branch out and and not be shy and just spark up conversation with people in the right industries and really make sure that I was putting the, that effort in as soon as I got here so that it wasn't just like, oh, I'm twiddling my thumbs and just waiting for things to fall in my lap. You know, I, yeah. I really made the effort to to get out there. <laughs> yeah. The how shows up when you're taking action steps. Yes. So were, did you already have the content refined thought process going or? Not at all. Okay. So you, <laughs> you jump in, you're networking. Now, when I hear that, I think of like business networking meetings and meetup groups. What did you do to jump in and get to know people? Right. So I actually was put into contact with somebody. His name's John Gillum. He's actually my business partner now. And he was put into contact with me from somebody on Facebook who knew his like sister-in-law. So it was like a huge convoluted process, but we got in touch. (laughs) I sent him, uh, I sent him an email just basically stating who I was and, and what I was looking for and what my experience was and why I was moving to Collingwood. And he emailed me back right away. And he was like, Whoa, that sounds awesome. How about you come to my office and we, and we'll have a chat. So yeah, that's what I did. I, I went to his office and we, we had a, awesome meeting. It was super like easy conversation. And I do think it was pretty serendipitous because uh, it, it evolved, this relationship involved a really great like business partnership. Mm, that's, I mean, that's the how showing up, but it's not you sitting yeah. back and saying, okay, I'm just going to wait for it. Like you mentioned, like you were out there hustling, you were doing the work and people started to know who you were. So then you got this great connection. So tell me about Content Refined. When did you start it? And then we'll talk a bit about growing that business. So backtracking a little bit, John decided to actually hire me to help him with his like content creation process for his own websites. And so once we sort of got the ball rolling on that, I was almost like worked out of a job because we had this like this process that was running itself and the content creation was was sort of running itself. And so we decided to sort of package it up and offer it as a standalone like service offering um, that then evolved into a pretty significant business um, over time. Ooh, so yeah. that's like an awesome transition. Yes. Yeah. Because, it really worked out. Yeah. Because you were able to, to kind of jump in and, and in a hired spot, like where you knew what your role was, you could develop these skills. And then it sounds like you really diversified who could benefit from your work. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, John was fortunate enough to sort of have this audience, you know, he had a blog list of, I think 20,000 emails or something. And so we wrapped up this like content creation process, put a little bow on it, called it content refined and then started selling it. And so that's, that's how it took off so quickly. 
Ooh, awesome. Okay. So I know it sounds, I mean, everybody always sees the stage, right? So I know it sounds like, well, that was easy, Um, (laughs) but I'm sure you had some ups and downs along the way. So would you mind sharing like a time when you had to kind of blow through your own glass ceiling, you had to grow, you had an aha moment or something that impacted you? Oh my God. Yes. So right off the bat, I had my first aha moment, you know, I'll I'll sort of backtrack and tell you a little story. (laughs) So basically, um, when we first launched Content Refined, we started with three beta clients. So we had like one manager we had, which was me, we had one writer and one virtual assistant. And so like my criteria for hiring my freelancers were basically, are they the cheapest rate that I can find? Do they have good reviews? And have they done it before? So my first writer was a writer that I found on Upwork for $10 per article. (laughs) So like not very expensive. So we had our first client and basically I assigned my very first article to this writer and she absolutely like knocked it out of the park. And after that, I thought to myself, like, wow, this is going to be the easiest thing ever, (laughs) you know? So client number two, I had the same writer, did the exact same thing, sent her the article. But when I got it back, it was like an absolute train wreck. So I had to basically rewrite it like completely myself. So I actually submitted the article three different times. And eventually, you know, I think the client just started to feel sorry for me. So he accepted the article. So at that point, that was a pivotal point for me being like, oh, okay, I can't run a business like this. So what happened? Why was it good the first time and not good the second? Because I learned a very important lesson that freelancers are sort of all over the map. They can be all over the map. You know, you get one good article, you get one bad article. Sometimes you get a plagiarized article. Um, And so that was my big my biggest moment was being like, okay, this isn't going to work. So I need to come up with a procedure that will result in high quality freelancers every single time. Mm -hmm. So what we did was we created a system where we hired about five freelance writers at a time, tested them out over several weeks, and then fired the bottom of the talent pool. And now we kept doing this like over and over again and put systems in place where we were constantly like calling out the good from the bad at all times. And this is actually still our most valued SOP today in our business is that we, we basically get rid of the bottom 10% of all of our freelance staff every single month. And the result is that you get consistency and, and quality from your freelancers. So that was sort of my, my biggest like aha moment to make sure that that the quality piece was always going to be there. Yeah. I, I do think it's something you have to learn because I recently I'm like so interested because and I will now use your strategy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because yes. I recently have been through the similar situation working with designers when I realized that not all designers are created equal. Mm-hmm. And not everybody knows what they're doing in in terms of the specific project. And so thinking that everybody wants to do good work and everybody works just as hard as I do. And everybody should see the vision of what we're doing. You realize that that's not the case. And so I love your strategy of now, do they know that the bottom 10% are are not going to be asked to work again? So they are constantly like trying to make sure that they're good. Yeah, they are very aware. And you know, this is just a strategy that we use with like, um, with, like freelancers, you know, our salaried employees, there's a bit of a different staff morale there, you know? Um, But uh, yeah, basically what we learned over time is that like freelancers, 
you know, they possess skills that are not unique to them and don't waste your time on flaky contractors. Like they're, they're sort of the worker bees of your company and they're 100% replaceable. And, and it can be so time consuming trying to manage people who like are, are just flaky and inconsistent. Um, So that's my biggest piece of advice is if you're working with contractors, just like don't give second chances. (laughs) It will suck up so much of your time. Mm, so good. And not to take it personally, like you don't have to feel bad. It truly no. is who's getting the job done well. Exactly. I learned to ask those questions too. Like, have you done this before? And how yeah. many have you done? And do you know how to work with the system? Because you can't assume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So tell me a little bit about the content that you create. How do you help somebody identify their niche and create content that speaks to their audience? Right. Great question. So uh, the way Content Refined works is that we will basically analyze um, a client's website. And we work with a bunch of off-the-shelf like content marketing tools that will help us analyze and, and pull data from your site. And then we will figure out what keywords you should be going after, what keywords you should be focusing on, and what keywords your articles should be ranking for. That's one side of the business. Then we will actually create fresh new content for you with our team of, of specialized SEO writers. And then we will also upgrade your existing content. So if you have content on there that's been there for you know a year, two years, and, and it's starting to lose its ranking positions on search engines, we'll pull that, scrape that from your website, and we will upgrade all of your content and make sure that we're you know creating better keyword density, that we're filling content gaps, that we're making sure that your content is staying current and fresh. So that's sort of the the gist of what we do. So this is mostly for content for the website, blogging and things like that. Yes. Do you do anything for social media? Um, we can, yeah. We have worked with like Instagram, with Facebook, but we like to focus sort of more on on-page optimization. Yeah. My husband knows a ton about Google and we search. Like when people search our business, we pop up, which is always oh, really yeah. helpful. And it's a whole yeah. new world out there. And if you don't know the world, like you need help. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think that there's obviously a shift that's happening right now where everything is sort of um, online. And if you're not getting hits on Google or any other search engine that that you might be using, um, then your business probably isn't going to do that well. Now, question. Did you learn these skills in school? No. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to know what my degree was in? Absolutely. (laughs) It was in law and human rights. Okay. Which is great. And it was like, like, like fantastic. I, I loved university. I had a fantastic um, experience in university. But uh, were any of my school skills applied to my current job? No. <laughs> Isn't that so funny? Even if you want to do something new, a lot of times we think, oh, maybe I need to go back to school. Maybe I need to get get a business degree, maybe. But they don't teach us this stuff in school. No, they don't. And you know what? I think that uh, I do think, and I'm not sure what it's like in the States, but in in Canada, at least, I think that uh, university is sort of overvalued. Like I would have, like if I could do it all over again, I would have done maybe a couple of years at university and then done like a college degree because college is going to 
teach you like the hands-on skills that you need to actually do a job. Whereas the university is all theory and, and readings of, of uh, you know what I mean? It's like, it has nothing to do with like the professional world out there that, you, that you're going to be tasked with eventually. I know. It's so funny. We're like, our kids are going to go to school to meet cool people. But it really is. And so you, you niched down, you became an expert in SEO in writing and in keyword research and can offer a specific value to current businesses. And then of course, our up and coming businesses. When you started be- like growing this, how did you get new clients? How did you branch out? How did you start to get in front of more people? Well, I can tell you that it that is like in itself is still a constant grind. So the first thing was we were very, very fortunate. John had a huge audience that we launched to. So we started doing like email marketing to them. And then we have we've done tons of different strategies over the last couple of years. We've done like Facebook ads, we've done Google ads, we capture people's emails and, and then start doing like specific email marketing to them. We've done like conferences, we've done podcasts, you know, it's, it's always a grind to get in front of new audiences. Yeah, I think that generating new eyes on your business is something that I mean, even Coke still does advertisements, you know yeah. what I mean? Like every day, yeah. you're always kind of wanting to be bringing more people in to what you're doing, because you never know who they know, and things can start to spread. Exactly, exactly. All right. So how long have you been doing this for about two years? Tell me about the growth trajectory and what you've all you've been able to create. Oh my God, it's been nuts. So basically we started at at zero monthly recurring revenue. And within basically I, I guess like a year, we we're averaging around fifty thousand dollars in monthly recurring revenue. And so that was all about just like growing our our teams properly. And I made a huge effort with that um, in terms of like growing the business and structuring it properly so that we had a strong foundation and were able to you know scale without breaking the business and that was i think probably my most challenging part of the business because i had to constantly be thinking about the the next step and and what was coming up next so i had my org chart i was basically filling up my org chart with like hypothetical with yeah hypothetical roles that didn't even exist yet and then as the business started growing i knew which roles i needed to fill and then i knew which like sops i needed to create because like obviously you know that sops are are going to be like the the glue that hold your business together so sop is like the system yeah sorry the the standard operating procedures yeah. yes <laughs> and so that was just like a constant grind in getting those out, getting them refined and making sure that everybody was following them so that uh, so that my teams were were growing and that every team was doing every task the same way, you know? Then you don't have to think anymore. You can just run. Yes. Yeah. And you talk about growing your team pods. How do you... Yes. What does that look like? So the team pod theory is that basically there's a manager and then the manager manages their own team. So their own teams of writers, editors, publishers, and that sort of team will manage their own set of clients. So I've got, I've currently got four project managers that have their, their own 
big production teams and the project manager is basically the middle person between the client and the production team. So every piece of communication on a client's order will be communicated to them by the project manager. So it's like a very personal relationship that they have uh, with, with their project manager. And I like that because it gives them a bit of a like they, it makes them feel like their order is special and that they, you know, that we care a lot, which we do. And so that's sort of the team pod theory. Yeah. Well, it takes, I mean, when it's just you doing it, you know how important the relationship is, but how can you scale and still provide that solid customer service to everyone? It's like we talk about, you know, create and having small groups in a church, like we have building community within, but still being able to scale. And that sounds like it's a great way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been very effective and it keeps people around. And, you know, it's not uh, a lot of other content services out there are very like automated. You, you put in your requirements in a form and then you get like a piece of content that might not even be what you're really looking for because you've never had the opportunity to actually chat with somebody um, and explain exactly what you're trying to accomplish for your website. So I think that this has given it a bit more of a personal touch and people really appreciate that. Absolutely. Now you talked about going to conferences to build your network and get your stuff in front of people. How is that an opportunity for entrepreneurs? Well, I think that it's an amazing opportunity for entrepreneurs. The one thing, the the one downside is that it's quite expensive. Um, and, And if you're a new startup, that's that eats up quite a bit of your margins. But I think that it's really important. It's an investment in your in your business. And if it puts you in front of the right people, then it will be worth it long term. Um, but there are also other conferences out there. Like I, as I said, like I don't have any formal education in business. So for me, um, I I really like to go to conferences and like learn new skills because uh, yeah, I never and was never formally educated. So, so it's a really great opportunity to sort of get crash courses and different like management skills and different like SEO skills that we might want to apply to the business. Yeah. And, and just different business skills that I have just never had the opportunity to learn. Well, and because you know the value of networking, yes. when you get to the events, you're not just meeting the speakers and learning, but you're connecting with hundreds of other like-minded, goal-focused entrepreneurs who might either need your service or know someone who does. Exactly. Or it might have a service that might really complement ours. And so it's really important to get out there and, and chat with people. I actually have learned about this in terms of growing a business, like going to a conference with the goal of networking and setting aside lunch times and dinner times and, you know, after nightcap times, you know, those types of things where you really are being intentional about getting to know people you don't know. Yeah. And so I'm sure that you can't do that every other weekend, but they really can be a great catalyst for a business. Yeah, absolutely. And there's uh, tons of different groups out there. Um, But I am actually part of this group called the Dynamite Circle. Have you ever heard of it? No, I haven't. It's uh, it's amazing. So it's a, a group that um, basically brings like nomadic entrepreneurs together, and uh, so people that can basically run their business from anywhere. And what what's great about that is that it brings a bunch of different people together. And yeah, we have these crazy conferences in like Bangkok and in like Austin, Texas, and Lisbon, you know. And we actually get the opportunity to like meet up, and they all run these like super, super cool little businesses. And it's great to, to network and talk shop. 
Yeah. Yeah. I find as much as I love working from home and working in my pajamas, which I do. Yeah. Um, and I love like my office and being able to do laundry in between calls or whatever we do. There's, there's something to be said about hanging around people and just getting that fill of energy, that positivity, that brainstorming. A lot of that can really help take you to the next level, which then you can go back and pour into your business. Yeah, yeah. And like working from home can be a little bit isolating as well. And to know that you're not alone and that there's like a huge world of people sitting behind their computers as well at home um, is is actually really nice. Yeah, that's funny. Do you guys have a group on Facebook? Uh, yes. So you're like, hey. <laughs> yeah, we do. We have lots of lots of uh, different groups within that community, actually. So I have like, um, I'm part of a the like the women of DC group, and yeah, that's a a really great positive um, group to be part of. That's so fun because you're yeah. right. When you are working from home or you're a solopreneur, even if you are working with people and they're still remote, you have to be intentional about getting real connections made because it can be easy not to. Yes. And I, I find whenever I'm feeling lonely, I'm like, oh my gosh, I probably have a million people that would go to lunch with me. I just have to ask. I just have yeah. to be intentional yeah. about that. Totally. So, all right. Now you might not know the answer to this. So I just want to oh, put your brain question. a little bit. Okay. <laughs> well, you're a new mom. You're a new mom. So tell me how the addition of your son is going to like, what does your schedule look like and how, how are you going to do it? What's your game well, plan? And I'm sure it will change. <laughs> <laughs> well, so far, I'm actually off. So I'm not currently working. I, I'm doing like a few podcasts here and there. I'm doing like weekly meetings and stuff. But I'm not actually like working in the business right now, which is really nice, actually. Um, and it's been a very interesting journey um, in order to get the the business self-sufficient enough for me to sort of walk away from it. So I think that isn't that the end goal of a business to be able to walk away from it? So, mm-hmm. so like I, I'm feeling pretty, pretty happy about that. And, and it's been steady and we haven't seen any big dips or anything. So I'm feeling pretty happy about that. But yeah, I plan on taking six months off and then I'm going to come back about three days a week, sort of more in a business development role and uh, see where, where the business takes us from there. Wow. I'm cool. so proud of you. Thank you. That is so impressive. And like I mentioned, my friend told me six months and I thought she was crazy, but it's so necessary to give yourself that time and and enjoy it. And enjoy it and give give my son that time too and yeah. just really enjoy the the baby cuddles because even you know he's only he's only nine, ten weeks old right now, but he's changed so much um you know in the blink of an eye, so I'm just really soaking in that special special time that I'm never going to get back. So yeah. And you're, you're enjoying the fruits of your labor. You know, you worked hard for years. So that way you could have something that kind of runs on its own and you've got the managers in place. And sometimes I know pregnancy delivery can be like a good, it created urgency, at least for me, where I was like, oh my gosh, my people need to know what they're doing by the time I'm gone. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's literally like a ticking time bomb. Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's no delaying it. There's nothing you can do to prolong it. So you really need to make sure that you have your ducks lined up by the time the baby comes. (laughs) Aw, that makes me so happy because you really can do awesome at both. You can be and will be an awesome entrepreneur, business owner, and an amazing mom at the same time. I completely agree. And I I, I think that women and men out there who want a family 
and want to have a business don't have to choose and just need to to put family in their business plan um, mm-hmm. because it's really important. And and if you if you want a family and if you value that, then put it in your business plan and, and plan your business around it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then when you're there, fully be there. Yeah. Because you, know? you, you don't want to be hanging out with your baby feeling restless and anxious that you should be, right? No, At exactly. work and doing things. That's just no fun. No, exactly. Well, very cool. Now, I know you have a coupon code for any Dreamcast listener that's interested in working with Content Refined. And as we mentioned, just it's not just articles. It sounds like there's so much behind why the articles are created to generate traffic on the website. And that's something that everybody needs more of. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So people can go to uh, www.contentrefined.com, learn more about what we offer, um, see if it would be a good fit for them. I mean, I think everybody needs content marketing. Um, I'm also happy to like chat with people. And if, if people, you know, don't have the budget for content marketing and want to do it themselves, like I'm always happy to, to chat with other entrepreneurs and, and talk about strategies that might suit them best. Anybody can who wants to sign up can get a 20% off month one code and we can put that in the in the notes. Mm-hmm. We'll put in Dreamcast as yeah, the coupon yes. code. Yeah, and it'll take 20% off your first month, which is awesome. So and I've got two last questions for you. You yes. mentioned um, finding your voice as a woman in digital marketing. Tell me a little bit about how you found your voice and what recommendations you'd have for our listeners. Oh, that's a great question. So finding my voice as a female entrepreneur, I think the best thing I did as a female entrepreneur was be like just straight up about what I wanted in life. Um, And my business partner was extremely supportive of that. You know, he has a young family too with, you know, three little kids. And I think that being upfront and honest about what you want um, and if that's a family, that basically building a business around that and being able to work around that dream was the best thing that I was able to do. Ooh, I, I, it sounds like lifestyle was also on your business plan. L- lifestyle was 100% in our business plan. And, you know, he, he values his lifestyle. He goes skiing with his kids at three o'clock sometimes, you know, like it's not a, uh, sort of robust nine or uh, yeah, nine to five job. It's like, we've built this in order to have a lifestyle that suits us. And yeah. And then going back to the, to the like woman thing, I think Uh that it's, uh, I personally think that it, that being a female entrepreneur is extremely empowering and to be able to be a mother and to be an entrepreneur at the same time is like the most empowering experience that I've really ever had in my life. And I'm like proud of myself for being able to do it and balance it. And I think that every woman out there should keep that in mind and and it's doable. Hmm. Don't be afraid to chase your dreams because it is strictly because of biological reasons, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Mm, I love that. And I love the idea of combining, just like we were mentioning, combining family and business because you don't have to choose, but your lifestyle and your family have to be in your calendar just as much as your business is. And it sounds like when things started overflowing into in like, you know, because life, you know, business gets busy and it can be all consuming. And one way to experience success is to be so obsessed that you're doing it all of the time because you find joy in it. But that's not 
necessarily lifestyle. So you've created teams, you got pods, you have managers, you scaled it so that way you didn't lose yourself in the process. Yes. And I think it's very important to not get lost in your business. Like you're, they, people always say like, oh, my business is my baby. But like, don't let it be your baby because your business can't love you back. And it can be a very tumultuous relationship with your business if your moods sort of depend on whether your business is doing well or not. Because you're, yeah, your business can't love you back. So, so don't get emotionally attached to it. I love that. Now, you do travel for your for business, and how does the experience yes. impact you? Um, travel, yes. So I, oh man, it's been awesome. So I've, as I mentioned before, I, I have gone to quite a few conferences abroad. So last year I went to Bangkok for a, a conference, which was incredible. I actually found out that I was that I was pregnant um, while I was at that <laughs> at that conference, which was a little scary. Had I not lived in Asia prior to that, I would have been totally freaked out. Um, <laughs> but it's it's been incredible. I've I've traveled like all around the world and met different entrepreneurs um, running their businesses from different places. And, um, and yeah, it's been an incredible experience. It's yeah. Exposed me to different cultures. It's exposed me to like different ways of running your business. It's, it's been fantastic. Again, it's just another reminder to get out of outside of our house, get out of the from behind the computer and go network and go meet people and broaden our minds because it, it just makes us better. It does. It does. And you know, people, running their businesses from like Chiang Mai in Thailand um, are doing things differently than we might be back here in, in North America, you know, and to be able to sort of extract those, those different skills from people who are running things just differently is I think invaluable. All right. My last question for you is all about maintaining that balance, the passion and love for your business, but maintaining that strong boundaries for creating a lifestyle that you want. So putting fun things in your calendar and making sure that you and your partner are really enjoying life and traveling and doing it for work, but playing too. I love, you know, you can do it all. So what is one thing that's in your calendar every day that you just can't live without? Oh, exercise. (laughs) Yeah, that obviously has been a little challenging uh, nine weeks postpartum, but um, whether it's a walk, whether it's yoga, whether it's any, anything that gets you moving and gets your, your mind sort of engaged in something else, I think is really important for my sanity. Yeah, move every day for an hour at least, like get your butt out of the chair and, and go. Um, enjoy the sunshine, enjoy your surroundings, enjoy nature if you can. And I think that is the key to keeping you sane. And another thing that I actually sit down and and intentionally do, um, maybe not on a daily basis, but definitely on a weekly basis is like plan adventures for yourself. You know, whether, whether it's, you know, taking a two hour drive from where you live or like looking at different places around the world that you'd like to visit, like create, you know, something to look forward to for yourself. I think that a lot of people get stuck in the mundane sort of like day-to-day activities of their life. And I think it's really important to have stuff to look forward to and you can create that for yourself. Mm, I love that. I've heard people saying that half the fun of going on vacation is planning it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have a conference or something like what I, what I did last year is I, I had this conference in Thailand and, you know, if you're going to fly across the world to go to 
go to Asia, like plan a trip around it, right? So I did a bit of island hopping after the conference. I went to like Hong Kong before the conference because I'd never been to Hong Kong before. And and yeah, it's just just plan adventures for yourself. I think it's really important. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Congratulations on being a new mom and incorporating that into your already successful business. But it's been awesome to hear your story and um, we will definitely connect again. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.